Welcome to the Empower Solve Protect podcast, hosted by David Levine, founder and CEO of Go West IT, the cybersecurity obsessed managed service provider. The Empower Solve Protect podcast explores digital transformation strategies and the journeys of successful entrepreneurs and business leaders. I'd like to welcome today Jamie Yancey, who is the Executive Vice President, Chief Operating Officer, and Chief Technology Officer at Native American Bank. He's also a Certified Information Security Manager. I've known Yancey for a while now. Um, I know you prefer to go by Yancey, and uh, really pleased to visit with you, Yancey. Um, I am I am really uh, so appreciative of your military service. Um, Yancey was a naval aviator and has been in communications really his whole career go, and uh, was was uh, in communications for the Navy back in 1977. Uh, it goes back further than that. Uh, also participated in the redesign of the Secure Automated Communications Network or SACnet uh, at the Argonne National Laboratory. And uh, if we started to list off all of your professional accolades, we'd spend the entire podcast going over that. So I'm just going to let people know that uh, you have a long and very interesting uh, IT career. And I'm so excited to spend a few minutes visiting with you today, Ansi. Oh, thank you. It's an honor. Uh, you know, that's just a good way of saying that I'm old, right? <laughs> I've been around for a long time. Well, old and and uh, absolutely uh, do some respect and and uh, want to glean whatever knowledge you're willing to share with us. So I very much appreciate it. Um, you know, since you've got such a wonderful career, uh, can you just tell me a little bit about how you got here? And you can go as broad or as deep as you want to go, but um, you know, how did it how did it come to be that you are the EVP, COO, and CTO of Native American Bank? You know, that's a very interesting story and a fun one. Uh, when I came to Native American Bank in 2013, this was a failing bank. Uh, it was under a formal agreement. Uh, the regulators uh, had not taken too kindly to it over the years. Uh, and they brought in a president, uh, Tom Ogard, also in 2013, uh, to basically try and turn it around and bring it out of a formal agreement. Uh, I think the asset size of the bank at that time was about uh, $50 million in total. Uh, so a very small bank uh, was founded through a uh, act of Congress uh, to help serve the underserved. And, and there's where the story becomes very interesting because that's always been my goal was, it's never been about technology or anything else. It's always been about people and how do we help each other? I think that's why we're here on earth is to help each other. Uh, and so this opportunity came about to, to come and help get a win to turn a failing bank around, to not let it be, you know, the headline in the news for negative things, but to turn it around and bring some success. Today, we're a 230 plus million dollar bank. We are no longer in a formal agreement. We are growing. We've grown by about 30% this last year. And what's really cool about that growth is the fact that the people have become family and we work together to move forward and it's exactly 
the mission that I wanted was to work with a group of people that were engaged in doing something for the good of others and doing it well and consistently. And that's what has become of Native American Bank. Yeah, that is so impressive. And I know a little bit about Native American Bank and I can attest that uh, that family feel is absolutely there. I know some of your people um, and I, I've seen some of the progress that's been made in the last few years and, and uh, it's really exciting to, to see that. Do you happen to know, Yancey, are there any other banks that have been formed as an act of Congress or does Native American Bank hold that distinction uh, by itself? You know, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I do know that serving the underserved was a mission from Congress. Uh, you may have you know, heard about Eloise Cabell. Uh, Eloise Cabell was a very influential figure in Indian country. Uh, she basically sued the United States government, uh, the first class action lawsuit ever, uh, and the largest ever, uh, and she won. You know, it took her a long time to do it, but the reason there's, you know, the Cobell Lion Buyback Program, the Education Fund for Native Americans, uh, it's also named after her. Uh, she's also one of the founders of this bank. Yeah. Uh, and her mission all along was to serve indigenous communities that had no financial help. Uh, our Browning, Montana branch is uh, 35 miles one way to the next branch from us. Uh, so can you imagine doing that in the wintertime, you know, that 70 mile round trip just to get financial services? Uh, and that branch sits right on the reservation. And that was a big part of our start. Yeah. And I know you told me about the Netflix documentary about Eloise, and uh, I did watch that. And it's a phenomenal uh, watch. Very interesting. Um, and it gives some some context to the history you're describing. Yes, yeah. it was very well done. Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, you know, you and I are in the IT realm, and uh, we we talk to people every day about how to help technology, have technology help people. It's not just keeping an eye on firewalls and switches and making sure computers are running and applications are running. At the end of the day, technology is about helping people. And sometimes that's referred to as digital transformation, but I found as I've been talking with folks that that term digital transformation means lots of different things to lots of different people. I'd like to kind of hear from you what you think digital transformation is. What? How do you define that term? You know, my, my definition is gonna be a lot different than anything you've probably ever heard. Uh, digital transformation for me is about transforming digital technology from a privilege to a tool for everyone. Uh, and the example of that is, you know, in this bank in Browning, Montana, when I first got here in, you know, 2013, there were lines, blocks down the street on payday. They didn't have direct deposit. They didn't have, you know, mobile apps or any of the things that, you know, in the inner cities we've become very accustomed to. And so from a technology standpoint, it's up to us to take difficult problems and apply the right tools. So transforming something digitally is the ability to do things the right way. Everything from going out and making sure that we could help them, you know, on the res get federal funding for fiber optics uh, to making sure that we could put basic tools 
in the hands of the underserved. Mm-hmm. So, and it doesn't matter whether it's a bank or you know, whether it's a manufacturing plant or whatever it is, the logic behind how we implement technology is important because it can transform communities, it can transform lives. So for me, digital transformation is bigger than the buzzword. It's actually a practice. Yeah. And and uh, as you talk about how that affects lives, can you maybe tell me about an example? And maybe that is the the difference between people standing in line to cash checks on payday versus what you experience now or what you see in those same communities. Is that one of the, one example of change or is there something else you'd like to share? There's lots of examples of change. Uh, Technology's done some great things for us there. Uh, The reservation in uh, Blackfeet uh, in Browning, Montana, now has fiber optics. They now have cell service. They now have mobile apps where they can do things on their phone. You know, they can do their banking on their phone, just like the things we're accustomed to. We're teaching financial literacy. If you go out to our website, you know, we're, you know, the fear of banking is a big monster, you know, and then we see it now in the news again, right? So it's a monster. Is my money protected? Is my money safe? How do you overcome those things? And it's all through education. We can weaponize digital technology the same as we can use it for the good. And so we have to be as technologists careful of how we apply things. Uh, a great example of that is in the news right now with, you know, the, the banking uh, failures of SVB uh, and, you know, Signature Bank. Uh, those were basically prompted by social media. Uh, we basically came up with a new version, you know, a sequel to It's a Wonderful Life. And this time, instead of Uncle Billy losing the money and, you know, someone else getting it, this time it was someone saying something on social media, you better get your money out now. And quite frankly, as in with A Wonderful Life, the banks don't keep that amount of cash in their vaults. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the banks don't have access within minutes of that amount of capital, which leads to failure, right? And it leads to mistrust. It leads to all sorts of other things. Uh, and so technology plays a big role in how we do things from a positive standpoint, but it can also be negative. And it's up to us as technologists to make sure that we're providing the right solutions for the atmosphere we're applying it to. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Can we talk, do you mind if we segue a little bit and talk a little bit about cybersecurity? Absolutely. Um, I know that you're you're very up to speed on the cyber threat landscape. I know you're active in a number of different communities, and obviously you have a role to play there for Native American Bank. Um, how do you think the cyber landscape is affecting people today, just your, your average depositors at Native American Bank or just people at large and uh and and maybe what do you think is the overall awareness or or level of of real protection against current cyber threats you know there's a there's a reality that is cybersecurity is a self-inflicted wound um, we as a world have gotten to a point where convenience was more important than security but we're all looking for the next dollar 
the, you know, that that's really been the landscape of the world. And it's not an America problem. It is a indeed a world problem. Uh, and so what we've done is we've taken and weaponized technology and convenience for personal or political gain. The issue is, is that as technologists, we don't talk to each other. You know, we created, you know, the Silicon Valley effect is start a new company, make a lot of money, sell it to someone else. The thoughtfulness that goes behind that, the hard work, the grit, the determination necessary that you guys experience every day, even at Go West, in order to maintain security of other people's money is important. When I interview someone, I interview them for technology jobs, asking them a question that's taken in a number of different ways, and it's very telling their response. I ask them to give me their wallet. Did you give me your wallet? Well, wait a minute. Uh, well, see, the reality is, is that that's what our customers do every day. They hand us their wallet, their identity, their lifestyle, and they trust us with it. And so what we have to do is maintain that continuity by ensuring that we are implementing the tools and the systems necessary by every means that we have available to us to protect that. Yeah. And it's constant monitoring and it's constant diligence because it's an ever changing environment. Yeah. The disparate I, part is we don't talk to each other as technologists. We don't openly, you know, we talk about new products and new things that are cool and jazzy. We don't talk about the harsh reality of what happens when it doesn't work. What happens yeah. when it's not there? Yeah. Uh, Yancy, I think uh, you have a great grasp of the, the big picture problem. Um, businesses today probably I, I think don't have an appreciation for the level of risk they are allowing to exist from a cyber standpoint um, by not talking about it. Now, I do think that's changing because there's so much publicity and most CEOs or C-level people have at least a friend who's also who's a CEO or a C-level person who's been through something. And I can tell you, uh, someone who's experienced a cyber attack uh, becomes a believer real quick in the value of cybersecurity, and they don't ever want to go through something like that again. Um, you know, behind the scenes, technology people like uh, like yourself and me, we talk about um, ways to protect businesses. You, you know, when you, that wallet conversation you have with a prospective employee um, is really about trust. And uh, you know, the the one of the the latest approaches to making sure that networks and systems and applications and endpoints are secure is a zero trust model. Um, well, we might have an understanding of what a zero trust model is. And if you talk to your average person on the street about what zero trust is, um, they might say, that sounds good, sign me up for zero trust. But but it's it's incredibly complex to achieve zero trust today because the cost of zero trust um, can be some convenience. So there's a lot of additional safeguards, a lot of additional monitoring that has to be put in place. Um, and and 
with, with zero trust in particular, there's there's times when someone's going to go launch an application, and if that application isn't already trusted, it's not going to launch for them. They're not going to be able to get to where they want to go without talking to IT to open up access to that particular application or let me get to it from my my work device versus my personal device. So, so that conversation between uh, business leaders, uh, the C level folks, and then you know constantly reinforcing the need to deal with some level of inconvenience um, for the sake of reducing risk, I think is important. And I, I do feel there's kind of a, a momentum shift in our society to understand the 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 importance of it. Maybe even become a little bit more tolerant of some of the uh, security measures, the controls that are put in place to protect our financial lives. Um, it, it's hard, and uh, it's a constant conversation. But I think that's what you're you're getting and at. Think, is that right? Yeah. What we're talking about is actually cyber hygiene, uh, and I think we have become more effective because we've made it personal. Uh, you know, when we teach cybersecurity here at Native American Bank, we talk about your grandmother, your uncle, your sisters, your children, uh, because cyber hygiene has to be a habit just like taking a bath, right? You want to stay clean. It's really our bad habits. There's a a little known fact. When we say cybersecurity, everyone thinks that the computer has been breached, but it's normally the human that got breached before they were able to breach the computer. See, the hacking happens when the information's available to gain access. And so those habits of not giving that information, not allowing yourself to be socially engineered, you know, not allowing yourself to be frivolous with passwords or or even phone calls. You know, a lot of cybersecurity starts with the telephone, having a conversation. I got your name out of the phone book. I know that you're ex, but now I want to have a friendly conversation with you so that I can get enough information to get into your system. The other thing is perspective. In cyber hygiene, you have to understand the intent. The intent is really not the individual. If I get to the individual, I can get to the services that the individual uses. If I can get to those services, and and a great example is as a bank, If I can get to a customer that is connected to the bank, I can get to the bank. If I can get to the bank, I don't really want the bank. I want their core provider who has 500 and something banks. That's where I can profit. Mm -hmm. So it is about profit. Yeah. And, And the combatant to that is good hygiene, making sure that we are educating and letting people understand that that mobile app that's in your pocket, if you're going to all of these other places, you're infecting the phone. By infecting the phone, you can get to all of the apps that you have on the phone, including your bank account, which causes that domino effect. And I think it's important to make sure that we don't just talk about cybersecurity, but we lead with cyber hygiene. We know all of the bad things because they're advertised. You know, we can go out to Krebs on security and see lots of new things that are happening in this world on a daily basis. But at the end of the day, it's preventative. And that's why we started talking about self-inflicted. Cybersecurity is self-inflicted. So the solution is, is to fix the self. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think your point about individuals being uh, the kind of the the biggest risk, um, individual hygiene. I love that you called out, uh, you know, training people by talking to them about their grandmother. Um, elderly people are are huge targets for cyber criminals because it's easy. They may not be as familiar with the risks or familiar with the technology. Uh, it's a group of people that are easy to take advantage of. And so, you know, uh, educate yourself on, on what you can do to improve your own cyber hygiene and then share that knowledge with people you love and, and care about. Um, just, you know, a couple people here and there, you might save someone from a lot of heartache. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeti, I really enjoy visiting with you. I could talk with you for hours. Um, if you asked me for my wallet, I would hand it over willingly. I'd be happy to give you my wallet to hold. And I wouldn't even ask any questions about, about what was going on there. Now, that's a tough, that's a tough task for a guy who's constantly paranoid. Um, but I know you and I know the kind of person you are, and I gladly hand you my wallet. I, I want to thank I you very much. You I can promise you that we would give it back to you in the same format that you gave it to us, probably with a little interest, of, depending on the amount of time. There you go. And that's exactly why I'd be happy to do that. So thanks so much for spending the time to visit with me today. I always enjoy it. I look forward to our next conversation. I appreciate it very greatly. Thank you for thanks. the honor. Thanks, Yancy. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Empower, Solve, Protect, please like, subscribe, and tell a friend. The Empower, Solve, Protect podcast is sponsored by GoWestIT, the cybersecurity-obsessed managed service provider.